0: Rolling Dice and Taking Names is sponsored by The Broken Token, creator of high-quality gaming accessories and storage solutions. Visit them online at TheBrokenToken.com.
1: Hey, y'all. It's time for Rolling Dice and Taking Names. While Tony is on vacation, Marty has a special co-host today, David Waybright from Man vs. Meeple. They will review Gizmos, Taj Mahal, and Cryptid. They will also bring woo, you a yeah, woo, a discussion. On hype, baby!
2: I am very skeptical about this.
1: Hello,
3: and welcome to another episode of Rolling Dice and Taking Names. This is episode one five three. Hyperactive. My name is Marty, and as you've probably heard from previous episodes, Tony is on vacation. And like I've done in the past, whenever Tony goes on vacation, I look at this as a time to get a special guest to come and co-host with me. Now, in the past, I've had family members. I've had Rodney Smith from Watch It Played. I've had Rich Summer. None of those guys could make it. So tonight I've got... Hold on. Uh, today, David, 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 Waybright from Beeple, no, Man versus Maple, David. Hey, and welcome to the show. Uh,
2: thank you for the introduction, Marty. Uh, I I don't know if that bit's getting old. We do it to each other far too often. But do we? Uh, not not maybe not do, too often. Do we
3: need to restart and do it again? Do I need to come up with a different? No, different no, no, one? no,
2: no. That's perfectly okay. I think though, uh, I'll do it to you one more time if ever you're on our show, which is probably not going to happen now, but. <laughs> Uh, If it does, that'll be the last time we pull that bit. Thank you for having me. Thank you for having me.
3: Thank you so much for coming on. And a little bit of history between David and I. David, I was just thinking uh, today, uh, I think you and I met about two years ago in Atlanta at the GTS
2: show. You know what? Was that the first time we met? I believe it was. I think, yes, I remember that now. We, I got there, and I think you were sitting at a table with Rodney, maybe playing a game. I, you know, now that I meant, now that you mentioned, it, I think that is when we met. Actually, Rodney was not there. No, no, he was for sure. Rod- he was. Yeah, we sat down. In fact, we played. He had left to go somewhere, and you and Jeremy and I ended up playing a game of Adrenaline. Just the three of us, maybe. See, I just totally forget when Rodney's around. <laughs> you might. Be. We're both old, so one of us is forgetting.
3: <laughs> yeah. Now, see, I was going to say that I do remember uh, that we played Adrenaline together in the uh, hotel. Yeah. in in one of the uh, the lobbies. And so yeah, that was the first time uh, we had ever met each other. And I'll never forget, um, I I realized we were you and I going to be really good friends when it was like on the second day we had met and we were walking around the little vendor hall and I ran into you. And I said some smart little comment to you. And you just looked at me and said, F you, Marty. I went, okay, we're gonna be best buds.
2: (laughs) That doesn't sound like me at all. I would never abbreviate.
3: (laughs) But this is a family-friendly show, so I did.
2: I'm definitely going to be on my best behavior here.
3: Now, I'm sure people know David from his uh, YouTube channel, Man vs. Meeple. He and Jeremy have been doing this, what,
2: man, about two and a half years, three years? It's coming up just over two years. We started in June of 2016. Our first preview we did was for Yokohama. We had actually started it by going to Origins. We met with Lance and TMG and uh, went back and did... Yokohama, and we haven't looked back. We've, we both started doing it full time like late 2016. And, uh, we've been trying to do more and more and adding stuff to the channel as much as we can ever since. If
3: your people haven't checked it out, make sure to go check out the YouTube channel, Man versus Meeple. You guys do a lot of stuff. You do Kickstarter previews, you do reviews. You've got a little segment called Chit Chat that you stole from us. Yes,
2: that's, that's true.
3: <laughs> and it's funny. So I remember, uh, Let's see, did I contact you or did you contact me when you were talking about doing the chit-chat segment? I can't
2: remember if we contacted each other specifically about that, but I think I mentioned maybe we did this new segment and I said, hey, did you check it out? Is this new segment called chit-chat? And I think you had, and you said, yes, as a matter of fact, I have, and thanks for stealing the name. So then I think there (laughs) there was probably some discussion that, if I remember correctly, you had not used the name for a little while because it was a segment on the uh, podcast?
3: Yes, it was a segment where we had had Suzanne Sheldon and somebody else on the show. Ah. It used to be uh, Rhiannon Lee uh, or, or Mandy. And, uh, we keep promising to have those two back on for another segment, but those two are so busy with the dice tower now that it's just kind of getting the schedules worked around. We still plan on doing it. It'll still be called chit chat, but I doubt there'll be really any confusion.
2: Yeah, no, I don't think so. And I mean, that's pretty much mine and Jeremy's strategy from the very beginning is to commandeer as many good ideas as possible throughout the entire community.
3: Hold on. So Rodney has a segment called, uh,
2: table talk back I, th- I think it was table talk no just I, table I, you know what talk. he's gonna kill us for not knowing this by the way but what, what's so
3: funny is he released one today because he started doing them again yeah but there's somebody else out there that has a similar named segment
2: well it's funny you say that because that was the other name we were considering at the time and i had actually seen that uh, when we when we were trying to come up with the name, and I actually I called, uh, or I messaged Rodney, I said, hey, I noticed you do that, are you doing anything with that? Because I noticed he hadn't done anything with it for a while, which he'd been wanting to get back to it, and he said, oh yeah, we, we've been meaning to get back to that, so yeah, yeah, if you, you know, maybe we could come up with different names. So that's how we came to stealing chit-chat from you guys. In fact, if I could say this right now, this is a scoop, but Rodney suggested we steal that name from you guys. I'm going to throw him under the bus. I'm not surprised.
3: Hey, David, there is one thing that I know that a lot of our listeners uh, wish to know about you, and that is this. Why don't you tell us what kind of lawnmower you have, David? Is it is it a walk-behind? Is it a, a self-propelled? You know what? Is it a riding mower? It's
2: interesting that you just asked this, because as I speak, my lawnmower is sitting in my backyard, right now because I was in the middle of mowing the lawn and I took a break to cut down some limbs and I left it there. It's a Toro. It's a walk behind. I did come prepared to talk about lawn equipment. Uh, I'm familiar with your show. I don't have the largest of yards, so I'm not a riding lawnmower guy. Although I did grow up, uh, my parents have about, I don't know, three quarters of an acre, maybe an acre. And I grew up mowing that lawn on a riding lawnmower, uh, many, 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 times. But I push it. It, it. I let it get a little out of control sometimes, so it's it's in that state right now. The, the backyard is a bit of a jungle.
3: Well, I tell you, we got uh, as of this recording, we have a hurricane Florence barreling down on top of us, and so oh, that's right, we're getting ready to get. Yeah, we're getting ready to get a ton of rain, and I hope it's just rain and no power loss, etc. Next week, uh, my grass will be growing like crazy after this rain that comes through. So yeah, we are buckling down for that, and people are going crazy around here. Uh, Luckily, Vanessa my wife and I thought about this a couple days ago. Let's go ahead and grab water just in case. Good thing we did cuz we went out to Target tonight just a to, she wanted to grab another flashlight or some batteries or something which was non-existent. But so was everything else. No water, wow. no batteries, no flashlights. The uh, the food was all off the shelves and it was so funny. So while we were there looking for flashlights, this this young lady came up and uh <laughs> She was looking for a flashlight and, and I said, we don't think there's one here. She said, (laughs) she said, do you think we're, um, over hyping this uh, a little too much or, uh, a little, a little too concerned about this overreacting? That's the word she was using. Are you overreacting? And I said, probably so, <laughs> yes. And I, But I said, I told her why. is because uh, here, uh, many years ago, we had a major hurricane come through here, Hurricane Hugo, which just ravaged the place, man. It just ripped up oh, trees. Yeah. Power was out for days. You know, people have that in their mind. She says, well, I'm from New York. That happens all the time. She said, I don't know why y'all overreact so much in the South. So my wife had to grab my arm because then I'm starting to get a little upset. I said, okay, here we go. Here we go. Somebody's going to come down here and diss us because we're overreacting to a to a storm <laughs> of course vanessa being the nice sweet southern woman that she is oh yeah we do overreact a little bit especially with snow and i went oh boy that's a can of worms you just oh opened boy up. so <laughs> so then we had to explain she'd only been here like a month and she said oh yeah i heard y'all like closed out everything it's like well yeah we closed on everything because we don't have the equipment to get rid of any of the snow why pay for equipment when it only happens once every two years so anyway, it got my dander up a little bit. Oh, boy, that was a little squirrel segment there. So yeah, we got a hurricane coming. <laughs> nice.
2: Well, I mean, not nice. It's it's not a nice thing. But I, I was thinking about that today. Uh, I, I'm not familiar exactly. The geography escapes me. But how close are you to the coast? Three hours from the coast. Oh, OK. So when a hurricane does come, it touches you, but not not like what you see on television.
3: Uh, No, no, but uh, it was just a really freaky thing with uh, Hugo to where it still was hurricane force winds when it came through here. Yeah, now here it should be come down to a tropical storm by the time it, it hits there, but still... You know, 30 to 60 mile an hour gust. They're not as bad as the 100 plus gust. But, you know, everything here, like a lot of the colleges are closing down. A uh, lot of the schools are closing down, et cetera. And, okay, yeah, this is a real exciting radio. So we'll move on from there. So, yes, uh, hurricane stories. And people in Florida right now are going, oh, please shut up. Don't talk to me about hurricanes, dude. Hey, uh, I was want to talk to you uh too about this other uh news topic that I saw pop up the other day. So, did you hear about this thing that was announced like at uh Gen Con, this this indie alliance where yes. um Stronghold Games is is uh is joined up with Indie uh Cards and Boards or Boards and Cards? Boards
2: and Cards. Boards and Cards. They're actually located uh primarily in Indianapolis. Uh wh- Oh, okay. Where I'm from. I actually play uh racquetball, which you and I have talked about before. Uh, with Nick Little, who is their VP or or director of development and manufacturing. He had teased me a little bit before Gen Con, but he kept it completely secret. I pushed him and pushed him and pushed him. I said, so what is the the big announcement? And he goes, I can't tell you, I can't tell you. And then I learned with everyone else uh, at Gen Con that they were doing this big merger with Steven over at Stronghold. It is very interesting Uh, Because I don't know if you know, I know you know Steven. I don't know if you know Travis from Indie Boards and Cards. They're two really great guys, but incredibly different personalities, which I think is part of the beauty of the merger. Travis is, I think he would probably even describe himself as a bit of a recluse. He's not Mr. Go out there uh, and be in the public eye. Now, if you know Steven, (laughs) he's... Absolutely that. So, I think Stevens probably, from what I've heard, going to be kind of the the public face, if you will, for indie game studios. Um, mm-hmm. But it is it's definitely they're kind of treating them as imprints or brands within that. So there's going to be Stronghold, Indie Boards and Cards, and then Action Phase, which was. Uh, Nick's old company when he joined up with Indy Boards and Cards.
3: So, and I guess I read I read an interview on um, ICV two that they uh, did with, with Stephen Bonacore talking about uh, some of the reasons. And it looks like it's just basically uh, merging two smaller companies will just be able to leverage each other and synergize some assets and some responsibilities between the two, and hopefully have a have a bigger bigger impact. I wonder, you think there was any worry of? one of them getting swallowed up or feeling like they have to like sell or something because they were kind of a small fish in a big pond now? Well,
2: I don't, I don't know because if, if, if I'm running one of those companies, I'm not sure I mind getting swallowed up. It depends on what you're looking for, right? But if, if the Asmodee, which is sort of the 800-pound gorilla, uh, swallows you up, Uh, you're, you're bound to get something out of it. So I don't necessarily know if that's a bad thing. But I do think the synergies that these guys have, not only with their personalities, like I said, but different functions that these companies were doing well that maybe the other company wasn't doing as well, there's definitely some benefits from consolidating that way. Plus, I think it gives the opportunity to diversify each of their portfolios. So now Stronghold can focus on certain types of games as a brand, whereas indie boards and cards can do other types of games and then maybe even still action phase uh, with more still.
3: And it looks like he's talking here in in the little interview is talking about having... Uh, these big companies together is that you have combined resources. And that means you yeah. have more cash, more capital, more credit. So when it comes, you know, for financing and stuff, it's easier to get loans and what have you. I'm sure they'll have uh, worked together with partners for production, et cetera, to hopefully cut down costs on production, yeah. warehousing, you know, shipping, uh, you know, one contact working with the distributors. He talked about the first thing he was going to look for was actually a director of marketing. And I noticed this week on their website, they actually posted, uh, that job posting, I believe, there's going to be stationed there uh, in Indiana.
2: Yeah, I think I saw that post too. Uh, it'd be a pretty interesting position. I uh, I really think that's a uh, what they've got planned for the company is really exciting because I do think both sides of the equation have kind of opened their minds up to how the other one is doing or has been doing business. So I'm really looking forward to seeing what they do with some of their core brands. It's really cool to look. I mean. For you and me, we're talking about one company now that has a game like Terraforming Mars and Don't Mess With Cthulhu under the same umbrella, which is it's an interesting thing to look at, and we'll see how they manage it with their brands, for sure.
3: Yeah, and you had talked about uh, their diversifying their portfolios, and I'm wondering if uh, Steven's going to be doing that, because um, like this year, he's come out with a lot of different games. Yes, you have your your Terraforming Mars and stuff, but then you have your... You're a lot smaller little, little party card games. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I guess I always saw Stronghold as more as as the kind of bigger box game and less the less of the smaller. But the, the indie cards and uh, boards and cards, I saw them the other way as more as the smaller don't mess with Cthulhu type box. So I, I'm wondering if, if like Stephen's going to start saying, you know what, well instead of me doing Meow War or, or whatever it is, you know, hands it over and just going to have the other label on there and he'll focus more on the terraforming Marges or bigger box games.
2: Yeah, I mean I hope that's what they do. I mean that's that's the way i think i would look at it because i think like you said some of those games some of the smaller games that steven's brought out they don't feel i mean there's always a risk of people who like a game like terraforming mars or some of the other euros that he's brought over they see the stronghold brand and want it to mean maybe one thing or a more specific thing so my guess would be that they will focus a little bit more with stronghold on the bigger box euro type games Indie Boards and Cards will be what they've always done, plus some of the small, like I could see maybe even uh, some of those smaller Friedman Freeze games that have come out over the last uh, year or so, maybe even uh, going into another brand. We'll see. So it's Action Phase Games,
3: Indie uh, Boards and Cards, and Stronghold Games under one umbrella called Indie Game Studios. I understand the reason for the name, but I'm not a huge fan of the name because, I don't know, to me, there's like a stigma with the word Indie. Uh Uh-huh. To me, indie sounds small. Yep. You know, you got indie music. You know, you've got like uh, indie video games. And of course, that's just like putting them down. Indie video games are huge right now. But you tend to think, and maybe that's what they're going for. Is the fact is that is the indie is a smaller, more personal, as opposed to the big like Asmodee sort of deal. Well,
2: yeah. Back to your first point, where they were maybe wanting to do this so they weren't potentially swallowed up by a bigger company. Maybe they're trying to do this preemptively to stay you know, as you said, more independent.
3: Oh, indie, indie independent. Oh,
2: yeah. (laughs) I'm glad I could be here. You and Tony could call me whenever you have trouble with, you know, connecting the dots like that.
3: Oh, oh, we have a lot. Can we call you whenever we need to pronounce designers' names? Because that would be a big benefit, too. No,
2: I'm awful at that myself. Although I can can pronounce sentient, though. Sentient. You know what? People pronounce (laughs) it different ways. One person I know pronounces it (laughs) Sentinent, <laughs> that's
3: me <laughs> yeah so i actually had to make myself say sentient so i'll get it right hey we also got another really cool announcement too that uh well people probably already know about this because when uh, after this episode drops there was a new kickstarter that just came out and that's from my uh, gameland games now we have a long history with Gameland games um michael cole reached out to us very early in our podcasting years he was one of the first ones to entrust us with like a preview of a Kickstarter game. And ever since then, I've always kind of like, that's very sentimental to me. So any tiny epic game that comes out, it's always kind of like Michael contacts me. Do you want to look at it? Yes, Michael, I have a tradition now. If I miss one, I'm going to feel like, you know, I've dropped the ball somewhere. I've done them all. Tiny Epic Kingdoms, Defenders, Galaxies, ti- uh, the Western, I'm probably missing one. Zombies, Zombies. Uh, you know, you know all those. But this one is Tiny Epic Mechs. And what got me excited about this is because it's a programming type yeah. game, like Robo Rally. And I typically really like those games. It's like, that's one of the reasons I like Mechs vs. Minions, which is also kind of like a programming game. But unlike Mechs vs. Minions, this is this is a, not a co-op game. This is definitely a
2: head-to-head. Oh, it's very head-to-head. Very head-to-head. We just did a preview of this. And yeah, I like programming games too, or more specifically, I like the idea of programming games. <laughs> I I I want to be good at them. Um and sometimes I am. Uh, the thing about a programming the, the thing that makes a great pro, good programming game anyway is when when things go awry, when when your program goes off the rails as it will. That's the whole idea of these games. That it's not so punishing that you're just like, "Oh, this is awful." And this game does that really, really well because there's a lot of things that you can do. Even if your program goes off the rails, there's a lot of combat. Someone attacks you, and you're going to be able to basically set your program however you want to for the rest of that round. So you may have gotten attacked. You may have had to retreat. You may have, worst of, worst case, gotten obliterated and have to respawn. But for the rest of that round, you can pretty much maneuver exactly how you want to. Very, very cool. And of course... As they have with all of their more recent Tiny Epic Games, they have all these cool little bits and pieces that you can t- attach onto the meeples or put your meeples inside.
3: Yeah. And that's what's really neat about it, too. At first, I thought just you start out in a mech, but that's not the case. Everybody starts out with a meeple with a couple weapons. Yeah. And over the course of the game, you're trying to collect resources to upgrade your weapons to eventually get in your mech. but. There's a huge, big daddy mech sitting in the middle of the board that everybody's trying to get access to. We have these, like, um, amazing weapons in there. So, yeah. So, once again, the production... Looks great on the little mechs. Look great and the, and the meeples look great. It's one of those things that the game, even though it's in a small box, it's a feels like a bigger game than the size of that box. Yeah, There's a lot that, there.
2: That's what's amazing about all their games. They they pack so much content in such a small little box. And I'm always amazed too with how they tackle different types of games. I, I'm not familiar with all of their games back you know, that go back a ways, but this is their first programming game, right? I mean, they have, have they ever, yes. yeah, so programming, and did you play Quest, Tiny Epic Quest also? Yes. The, the one that probably felt more like a Zelda board game than anything else I'd ever played. I mean, it's fascinating that they're able to take pretty deep game concepts and put them into a nice little package like that.
3: And what's amazing is with most of these Tiny Epic games, Scott Alms does all these. Yeah. And you talked about them all being so varied, but they're all coming from the same person.
2: Yeah, that's amazing. Because, you know, a lot of designers, even some of my favorite designers will rely on some of the same mechanics, game after game, or maybe evolve those. These are distinctly different games. I mean, it's like from the ground up, this is the the DNA shared across the Tiny Epic is almost just the name And the meeples and the little bits now, but that's about it. Now, we didn't
3: tell about what the whole goal of the game is. The whole goal of the game is collecting victory points, but you can do that multiple ways. You can do that by uh, damaging people, by fighting them. Uh, You can also, like, uh, is it drop mines and traps, turrets, Uh, and each of those are worth victory points. So it's not just you got to get in there and fight to get the points. There's multiple ways that you can get victory points over the course of the game.
2: Yeah, and there's a huge king of the hill aspect to it, too, with that big, mighty mech you'll find that when someone gets in that Mighty Mech, they they can pretty much decimate everybody else. So then everyone else at the table kind of almost bands together to get them out of the Mighty Mech. But then it's just inevitable that someone else is going to jump in.
3: The prototype even that we got looks really good. I can't wait to see what the final uh, production uh, copy is going to look like. That is currently now on Kickstarter. If you tried Tiny Epic Games, you, you know exactly what you're in for. If you've never tried a Tiny Epic Game, uh, go check this out. Again, don't let the price point or the size of the box fool you. This is a full game experience yeah, in there. For sure. Earlier when I was talking about the uh, the indie game alliance thing, I was said, I threw out the word hype. And the reason why is because we're going to be doing a, a segment coming up here in a segment where it was actually your idea where you want to talk about just hype in general, you know, how, what do you get hyped over? How do you control your hype? So uh, we're going to be doing that. But before we do, actually, uh, before Tony left, uh, he and I got to record a couple uh, reviews together. And one of them was Gizmos uh, from CMON. Have you had a chance to play that? Oh, yeah. I have played Gizmos many a time now. Before we get to our review, what did you think of it?
2: I like Gizmos a lot. It is, uh, when you first look at it, And I don't want to spoil your review, but when you first look at it, it looks a lot like it's reminiscent of Potion Explosion because of that big piece in the middle with the marbles that come out. The game doesn't really play at all anything like Potion Explosion, but it's a good Tableau engine builder at its root. In fact, very, very pure engine builder uh, where you're building all these cards out. And I love that sort of game. I mean, it's the same sort of experience and satisfaction that you get from a big game like Terraforming Mars with all the cards in front of you but in a much, much tighter experience.
3: Wow. What you just said in 45 seconds was way more valuable <laughs> than what we said in five. So I think we're going to scrap that That's just getting deleted, now. isn't it? Yeah. So, hey, can you give a 45 segment on Taj Mahal? Because <laughs> we're going to be doing that later, too. Uh, unfortunately,
2: I cannot.
1: <laughs> Five-minute initiative begins in three, two. I
0: want to talk to you about a new engine builder from Simon Gizmos by Phil Walker-Harding. This game to me is a follow-up to Potion Explosion Marty, and it's all about pulling some marbles to build an engine that allows you to get some more marbles so that you can get some victory points, because guess what? Victory points let you win this game. Now, I enjoyed Potion Explosion Marty. It's one of our favorites at the table, and Gizmos, first off, Talk about a simple game to learn.
3: You got a little board for each of the players, and on the top of the board tells you whatever actions you can do. And And there's only four of them. And there's only four of them. You can grab a little gizmo you want to build. You can actually build that gizmo. You can pick up a marble. Or you can can research. research. And basically look through some deck of cards and and claim one of those to archive or possibly
0: build. And what do I mean by an engine builder? So, for instance, let's say you pick a marble. Yes. And you put that marble in your energy ring. And when you pick that marble, you may have a card that says when you pick a black marble, Mm -hmm. then you get to take a random marble. Or better yet, if you build a gizmo that is a red gizmo. Mm -hmm. And whenever you build a red gizmo, you may be able to then pick a black marble. Oh, but wait, I said if you pick a black marble, then you can get a random marble. Yes. So there's the engine build. You just chain little things together. And, and those little chains
3: that you uh, get are basically the gizmo cards that are in the middle of the table.
0: Yes, they and are. And when you
3: claim one of those, you try to strategize. It's like, well, I've already got this one card that says if I build a black gizmo, I get to pull a, you know, do a pick action. And this thing over here says, if I do a pick action of maybe this particular color, I get to do this random thing. And then maybe I also had this thing over here said, if not only do I get to do a pick, I have another gizmo that says, if you build a black card, I get a
0: victory point. There you go. So, I mean, it's all about the chains, figuring out the combos. What are you going to do best? Now, one of the things are you are limited by how many marbles you can put in a ring or how many cards that you want to file or archive away or how much you can research. You can research and start at a three where you get to look through the top three cards of the deck and say, oh, I may want to archive that card or build that card right off. But you can then upgrade your machine. There's cards that do that. Then there are converter cards that allow you to say, oh, this red marble Marble now is any color Mm -hmm. or better yet. This one blue marble counts as two blue marbles. All that comes together to form your engine. And I'm going to tell you, it's one of those games that for me, I sit there and I think, oh man, is this going to be a brain burner? Is this going to be an AP game for a lot of people? I don't think it is. I've yet to, and the number of times I've played this, I've never had an issue with someone sitting there and just staring and waiting and waiting. It moves very quickly for me. And I just got to give
3: them credit on the production value of this thing. They have this really nice tower in the middle that has this little trough that the little marbles come out of. And they only show, what, seven or eight little marbles at a time. And when you pick, you get to pick one of those marbles. But there's a bend that they come out of. And sometimes you pick randomly. Just reach your hand and grab one. You hope it's one of the colors you need. Otherwise, you'd hopefully do a pick action and pick the the marble that you need because these these gizmos are built by the marbles themselves they're the resources some gizmos may take only one certain color of marble some may take two but those level three ones that score you all the points maybe it's five marbles or four marble marbles but that's the ones you want to get to because those score you the most points at the end of the game
0: that's exactly right because the cards have the points and the point and there are even some cards in the level 3 machine that have some special effects that get you a lot more points but if it may take something away from your machine, like you can no longer archive a card.
3: Mine was I got one night gave me eight points, but I can no longer do the research action.
0: So that didn't hurt you near the end of the game. Now the game ends when someone has 16 cards in their little gizmos engine, or someone builds four level three cards. That will end the game. You total up the total number of points you got between the number of cards and any special actions, add it all up, and I've yet to play a game where there has been a huge difference between the winners and the losers. So to me, I think... Every game I felt like, oh man, I am really losing this game. But I actually was within a couple points of the winner and did not realize it. So I'm real pleased with that. This is a game that will stay on the McCree shelves. I am so happy that we got it and we we're able to play it. And it has the Donna Seal of Approval. Ooh, now, very nice. Now, she loves Potion Explosion over it, but She says this game is thinky, but it's thinky enough just for her.
3: You know, they could have easily made this game with just like cardboard chits and stuff like that instead of marbles to where you just randomly pull stuff out of the bag and maybe pull six chits and put them out there to draw from. The production value is really cool. It is fun to to pick the marbles. They're very tactile. I love my engine building games. Like I like Imperial Settlers. This fits that nice little engine building game that only plays within like 45 minutes or something like that. Easy to learn, easy to play. Gizmos from Simon. Yeah, this is an engine builder I'll keep on my shelf too.
1: Five-minute initiative is complete.
3: Essen is just around the corner, and... Ignacy is going to be bringing out a couple brand new games at the show. Both Monolith Arena and in pet, uh, in pe, I was going to say Impetler Settlers. There, uh, David, <laughs> I that's not
2: right. I don't. Th- that's, no, yeah. I don't think that's
3: right in at Petler. all. Impetler. No, Imperial Settlers, the Amazons. And David, I don't know if you know this, but the first time we ever met Ignasi, we met him at BGG Con, and he taught us how to play Imperial Settlers, and we've been in love with it ever since. Now, he laughed at us because we thought we were so stupid and how we were playing the game,
2: but still, we enjoy the game. Wow, that's a solid way of introducing uh, a game as a publisher, I, t- to teach it and then laugh at the stupidity of those playing. And,
3: and he was, and then we've been best friends ever since. So, so we got the Amazons... Uh, expansion coming out and hadn't had
2: an expansion in a, in a
3: while have you had a chance to try out Monolith Arena did you get a chance to demo
2: that at Gen Con I didn't I didn't get the chance to demo much at, at Gen Con I'm actually going to be able to spend a little bit of time with Ignacy this coming week uh, as of recording anyway at Grand Con up in Michigan so Mm -hmm. It's really my first opportunity to spend any sort of quality time. I'm hoping to get a game in with him. Maybe he can teach me something and laugh at my stupidity.
3: Uh, Yeah, just bring him a cookie. He'll be fine. Excellent. Thank
2: you for the advice.
3: And then, of course, also at Essen, you're going to be able to pick up Detective. Now, you've played Detective, right?
2: I haven't played Detective, and I'll tell you why. We have a copy. And Jeremy has been hogging it completely and playing it sort of in the off time, you know, because Jeremy and I don't play every single game together. We do need some time to ourselves. But he's played, uh, he and Ryan and uh, Kira, uh, a friend of ours uh, who's over at uh, Colossal, have been playing through, I think they're into the third campaign, and he loves it. He's not even traditionally a big fan of the sort of narrative-style games or the consulting detective-style games, but they've been loving Detective.
3: Yeah, Dave, this is just supposed to be a 30-second bit. So, yeah... uh We want to give
2: Ignacy everything we can here.
3: Actually, uh, we're in the same boat. I've got the copy of Detective, and Tony doesn't. He's never played, because I'm the one hogging it. That's why Tony said he needs to get his own copy. So if you're going to Essen, uh, you can pre-order those games now at portalgames.pl. And if you're not going to Essen, then make sure to keep an eye on it, because I know I'm very interested in Monolith Arena, plus Imperial Settlers, Amazons. Again, that's portalgames.pl. And David, if you speak English, just put slash in on the
2: end of Oh, thank you very much. So, Marty, are you ready to talk about hype? Yes. Yes. You seem a little timid. You seem maybe even skeptical of this conversation. Would you say? Oh, look at you. you. See what I did there? So that's what you've been
3: spending the past 10 minutes trying to come up with how to kick this segment yeah, off? Yeah, thanks, thanks. I've been over here on my phone. I've been texting. I've been tweeting. It's like, Dave, you ready? No. All right, let's let me know when you're ready. And that's the best intro
2: you could come up with. It's, it's pure gold, isn't it? It's pure gold. It's gold, Jerry. Gold. Why do they call it oval team? The mug is round. The jar is round. They should call it round team. <laughs>
1: that's gold, Jerry. Gold.
2: Oh boy, you really want someone to go just wild with Seinfeld jokes, don't you? Because Tony doesn't get it. Okay, I'll. He I'll thinks try to the show my is game. stupid.
3: He never watched it. All right, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm I, should sorry. I'm sh- I should have
2: been there for you. I'm. I should have been there for you.
3: I got you. all. go ahead. No, no
2: what are we talking right. about? That's all right. That's all right. We, t- we were talking earlier about uh, movies and video games and board games and the idea of like something gets announced and are you the type of person that gives yourself over to the hype, completely embraces the excitement that you might feel, or are you a more cynical, skeptical person who's like, I don't know, I'll I'll, I'll believe it when I see it. Because I've been a little bit of both over the years, but I tend to be a little bit more willing to give myself to the hype train these days. Really? Because
3: I'm the other way around. Really? I guess I've I've been around Tony too long, maybe? And as, as I'm getting older and his grumpiness is running uh, rubbing off on me that I'm tend to be a tad more cynical and maybe it's because and and my wife hates this kind of attitude but it's the way I am if I don't expect it to be good and it is then I'll be surprised and enjoy it more oh. but if it's bad then I'm not let down it
2: is kind of a sad approach though isn't it it is oh that she says the same thing <laughs> I'm in therapy right now. <laughs> You mean right now? Am, you don't think I'm a <laughs> therapist, you. right?
3: W- with you, yeah. I'm gonna try to unpack things here, David. We'll, we'll need we'll need more time. <laughs> <laughs> but right now, your time is up.
2: So back to hype. Let me pull you back in here, though, because I want to kind of turn you around a little bit, if I can. This is sort of my own. So I'm metaing this right now. I'm trying to hype you up about getting hyped, because the way I look at it is if i'm disappointed i just sort of roll with it i don't i don't let that disappointment grind me to a halt right you know so okay. uh, this probably comes out more with movies than with board games but i do think it happens with both but i'll see a trailer perfect example saw the the trailer years ago for the first guardians of the galaxy and that trailer just nailed it for me like i didn't know what to expect i didn't know i didn't even know the property that well that trailer came out, and it spoke to me in the most perfect of ways. Thankfully, the movie, I think, nailed it as well. But from that moment I saw the trailer to when that movie came out, I was so hyped about it that everyone who knew me was probably annoyed to the degree that I was evangelizing the thing. And I'll do the same thing with board games, too. If I love something or if I think something's good or going to be good, I tend to be that annoying guy who wants everyone to hear about it and understand why it sounds so good.
3: No, I am that way too. And, and the Guardians is a fantastic example because I was the same way. I remember when that trailer came out, I remember as a family, we watched it like three times in a row. Thought this was the most amazing thing. And, but I think the part of the reason why is because like you, I I knew of the property, but didn't know anything about it. So I had no preconceptions and I think that's maybe part of my uh, issue when it comes to hype is if I potentially have any preconceptions about a board game TV or, or movie. And I got a, I've got a prime example. So this week uh, a new Predator movie comes out uh-huh. and I loved the first Predator. I thought the second Predator was was pretty good, but there's been some flops since then. So right now I'm very tentative about this movie I like the Predator series. I like that that and, uh, the, that and world, that universe. But it's like, okay, I may go see it, but I'm keeping my light, my hype at a decent level. Counter that with a trailer just came out for the new Halloween movie. Oh. And I thought, okay, well, there's been tons of Halloweens. This is going to be garbage. And so I saw Jamie Lee Curtis was involved. Well, that's good. They're bringing her back. But, you know, it takes more than that. And then I saw that... John Carpenter is the executive producer, yep. Who is the original guy that did it. I went, oh, okay, I'm, I'm having a little bit more faith. This past weekend at a film festival, it was previewed for the first time, and it has been getting incredible reviews. Crazy good reviews. Crazy good reviews. So I went from, oh, jeez, another Halloween movie to I let myself be opened up to,
2: okay, I like that person. That person's good. These people say it's good. Now I'm hyped. I see. So with you, it takes a certain sequence of button presses that they have to do with you to completely transform you. And I, that's probably true with me as well. Now, here's here's sort of the flip side of that. Okay. Um, back, you said, keeping your expectations low, then you're pleasantly surprised. That is also true, but it's for me. But I'm not... I don't consciously try to be cynical or skeptical, but I may not... I just may not be aware of something or may not know of something. And sometimes... The hype for me comes after it's come out. Um, Oh, especially with board games. We see, as you do too, so many board games every single day. Like the number of board games that are coming out is insane. So we can't play them all. And even some of the bigger name board games, they don't make it to the table. Like I just mentioned earlier, there's some games that I haven't played, still haven't played Detective. And then when you try that, you either realize, oh my gosh, I see why everyone's been raving about this, or maybe it doesn't land with you. But then there's some some that no one knows about, Cryptid being one of them, which we're going to talk about soon, that totally took me by surprise. And the hype for me is that I'm telling everyone and anyone about it now, because I'm fascinated with this game. And games like that come along every once in a while, and I want to be that guy who like the next time I'm at a table with new people, I'm like, okay, we got to play this. If you haven't played this, we're playing it right now. I'm a big fan of doing that and then getting the feedback from people of like, oh man, thanks for introducing me to that game. That was, that was really good.
3: A lot of mine has to do with, with history and things I've experienced in the past to determine whether I'm going to be hyped or not. So CMON comes out with about two or three big Kickstarters a year. When CMON first started doing this, everyone was hyped 100 for me. Since then, like the, like the the one that just finished, um, Arcadia, the space one,
2: Starcadia Quest.
3: Yeah, it was like okay, uh, it has some different things, some unique. But I I didn't jump on the hype train. Now, when Arcadia Quest first came out, I was all over it, and I'm just I don't know whether d- does my hype may decrease when I kind of keep seeing the same thing over and over. But I'm like you whenever that one thing comes that you're not expecting that you're totally surprised about then that's when I get just super excited because it came out of the blue, wasn't expecting it. Not many people have talked about it and bam, I'm all in.
2: Yeah. And it's those moments that make that's, that's kind of what's shaped my perspective on this. So I try to keep an open mind all the time because you never know when something's going to surprise you, you didn't expect it to be good and then it really was good. So Whenever I see everything, I, I pretty much keep an open mind, try to stay positive about what it's going to be like. And, and maybe I'll change my mind. The next time I get like Guardians of the Galaxy level hyped for something and it completely lets me down, then maybe, maybe I'll change my tune. But it hasn't happened. It hasn't happened yet.
3: Oh, really? I was going to say my next thing was, so you haven't gone into something hyped and then came out and go, man, I, I overhyped it?
2: Not to that degree. Not to like... I thought it was the, the next best thing to sliced bread sort of hype. But I have been disappointed for sure.
3: How about this? Have you ever been somebody hype you up something that gets you hyped and then you come out going, what was the big deal?
2: Yeah, well, okay. Mr. Positive here, confession time. I will say that when everyone seems to be gushing about something, there is, and I think this is true of everybody, but there's a little bit of me that's that's like... Okay, I haven't gotten to it. And I'm hearing it from literally everyone. Can it really be as good as you're all making it out to be? And then, you know, sometimes it is. And then sometimes it's not. What's hard, though, is when you're that... you, you No one wants to be that one lonely person who doesn't like something that everyone else likes. But it has happened with me. Um, there have been some board games, for sure, that just aren't my style of board game. Not that they're bad board games but that they're absolutely not my style. So if you're in it... Names? um, (laughs) Well, I'll tell you, when we talked about this recently on Chit Chat, Villainous, the new Disney game. Yes. When it came out, everyone's been playing that. It's been talked about a lot. Um, Of course, part of that was because of the whole sort of exclusivity. It was at Target and things like that only, and everyone was rushing out to get it. I ultimately played that and I, I I wanted to love it. I still want to love it and I'm not I don't I wouldn't say I dislike it, but there are some issues with that game that at least the the play groups that I've played it in it wasn't the all-out fantastic experience that I I'd, I'd heard and seen other people having for sure.
3: Well I'll give you a prime example. I've talked about on on, on the show before. so earlier this year, all I heard was the mind, The mine. The mind, The mine. Mine.
2: Mine.
0: My.
3: Holy crap. This must be amazing. So, I sat down and played it and I went, that was it? And and I think I was... I'm blaming everybody else. Now I shouldn't. It's like people got so overhyped that it got me hyped that it was hard to meet that level at that point. And I wish I had never heard about it and played it, and it would have been a different experience for me.
2: Yeah, that's true. That's the problem with sort of the overhype aspect of things is it can have that negative uh, impact on people. I, I would have to agree with you on the mind. I wasn't exactly how you described it, but I was very skeptical of it because everyone who I'd heard was going kind of bonkers over it. And I I played it, and I, what I'll say about the mind is you definitely have to play that game until you taste a little bit of the success. Once you get through a few rounds and you're like, oh, wait a minute, maybe we can get a little further if we play it again. And that happens. And I played that one evening at Origins? Yeah, I think it was Origins. We played for three hours straight. And it right. we, we the group had a lot of fun with it. But after... I've not really had a, a huge interest to play it again necessarily, but I, I. So long story short, I see the appeal, and I definitely experienced the fun that can be had with the game. I just don't know that that is a lasting fun. Like I don't know that it will be much more than anything that someone brings out maybe as a filler uh, throughout the years. But I do, I do, I do think it'll last.
3: Yeah, I know I'll tell you uh, one that both you and I experienced and there was like hardly any hype whatsoever. And now we evangelize this oh, game yeah. like crazy. I know what you're going to say. Don't mess with Cthulhu. Yeah. I remember when uh, it was uh, rich. Yep. Uh, rich summer taught us that game. It was like, uh, here's a social deduction game. I'm going, okay. And it's Cthulhu themed. I went, okay. It's like, there's a thousand Cthulhu games. There's a thousand social deduction games. But that's one we played for hours and just never wanted to stop. And then ever since then, man, every time I have a chance to play it, I play it. Uh, they've come out with the new deluxe version now. So the other people getting to play it. It's, but it's one of those things you almost feel like you're responsible for. It. It's like, I found this. I'm going to tell everybody else about this because nobody hyped me on it, but I'm going to hype you on it.
2: Yeah, exactly. We And we, you're right. We do have to give full credit to Rich. He was the one who introduced that to us since that moment I have probably taken as much ownership over that hype as anyone <laughs> uh, because I carry that thing with me everywhere I go in fact I do I did get a, a copy of the deluxe edition too take it to every con if if I'm at a con and our group that gets together every once in a while if someone doesn't have a copy of don't mess with Cthulhu, It will be kind of a letdown that we won't be able to play "Don't Mess with Cthulhu" and we're together.
3: I think we uh, played Origins together one night. Oh yeah, in the hotel room. There
2: hasn't been a convention since that night at Rich's. That was what a year over a year ago, year and a a year and a half ago. Yeah, there hasn't been a convention where I haven't played that game multiple times for sure. And I, you know, I I like to think there's a lot of uh, a lot of sort of uh, content creators talking about it quite a bit. I like to think that that's hopefully what started to lead them towards doing a reprint and doing the deluxe edition um, because they've incorporated, you know, the expansions, which I use about half the time. You know, it's nice because you can kind of use some of it. You don't have to use all of it and you can mix in some cards, uh, which is really fun. And shameless plug, uh, we have an awesome... And I just got this the other day, so I have to tell you about it. We uh, For our last Kickstarter that we ran, we had... One of our promos was a don't mess with Cthulhu roll tile. When you play with this tile, when you get your roll, it's a double agent. So you can either be a cultist or an investigator. So what you do is if you get the double agent, you reveal it to everybody, and then you go back in the box and you choose privately which you want to be. Oh, Which just starts to get in everyone's head right from the very start, right?
3: So another thing, do you ever, based on history and stuff, have preconceived notions when it comes to TV, movies, games, based on, you know, designer, uh, IP... Uh, Is there certain things when you go, oh, uh, this is going to suck, or certain things like, oh my gosh, I cannot wait for this, just because of past experiences?
2: Absolutely. So I'll start with board games. Board games is probably going to have to be designer first and foremost. There's certain designers that if I see their name or their next game, I'm going to try it, and I'm going to have expectations set with my experience with their games. Just like movies, you know, like you and I were talking uh, earlier today, you mentioned... Michael Bay, if, if you see his name attached to a movie, you're like, you're going to write it off. But then everyone, yeah. <laughs> and I agree, I agree. But then I can't remember the name of the movie, but did you see, I think it was a Michael Bay movie, the one that had Mark Wahlberg and the rock. And it was about, uh, I oh, can't believe I can't remember the name of this movie. It was a really gritty, uh, underworld sort of movie set in Florida And it was a really good movie, and it was shocking that it was a Michael Bay movie. Um, Hmm. So there's every every so often things buck the trend. So designers with games are 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 one of the things that really get my hype level up immediately. And then I'd say on the other side of things, it's probably a downgrade, a history of things in decline that gets my my skepticism churning you know so I don't, I don't i'm not generally skeptical but if there's something i loved and that it's slowly degraded over time uh let's say dc movies for example like i'm a dc fanboy uh, when i was yep. younger and i've liked some of the movies uh i liked man of steel i wanted to like batman v superman but it kind of let me down uh, justice league i i really I don't like to say anything's bad but man Justice League did nothing for me. I will say the one shining light there is the Wonder Woman movie was very very good and it was sort of phenomenal. Again, it's another one of those experiences where my my expectations for those movies had already started to dwindle and then Wonder Woman came out and I was like, "Oh, okay, well here we go. This just put these people in charge of all their movies and let's 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 get going." With that said, I have little to no expectations for Aquaman. I, and I don't know about Shazam. I'll be interested to see if what they're trying to do with Shazam works because Shazam kind of looks like maybe DC's PG13 take on Deadpool. like it's like it it, it kind of is self referential and uh, it looks like it's made for jokes, but I'm just not sure. Especially in in the shadow of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, it's really hard.
3: And uh, I'm the same way. I was a DC fanboy growing up, too. And I've been sort of disappointed with a lot of the movies. Now, it is interesting. I will say a, a quick side note. When I first saw the first trailer for Wonder Woman, I was hyped. I thought there's something different about this trailer that was different than Batman versus Superman, the the and maybe it was cause the the theme song for Wonder Woman is amazing. It's just like when um on Thor Ragnarok where they used uh, the Led yeah. Zeppelin song. It was like. <laughs> I mean, I mean, it just just sucked me right in. The same thing with the Wonder Woman. So I went in excited about that one. But yeah, uh, the thing is with the Shazam, when I heard Zachary Levi was going to be in it, I went, I I like Zachary Levi. I loved him and Chuck and everything like that. It was like, that's a weird superhero to pick. And I was like, then I saw the trailer and I thought, oh, okay, this is going to be a lighthearted affair, different from the other DC movies. like, okay, I'll give this a shot. And then I saw the Aquaman trailer and I went, pfft. It's like, I can't tell, are you trying to be funny or not? Because I'm not the Aquaman dude, bro guy is just, it's just not doing it for me. And for me, just the underwater stuff just didn't look that great. And now people, a lot of people turning it off and stuff like that. But, but then like you said, on the flip side, you see a Marvel trailer. It's like, I'm in, I mean, oh, it's like, uh, you know, the new, uh, uh, Marvel, the Captain Marvel movie that's coming out. It's like, I really don't know much about her. It's like, I'm in. Yeah. No, you got
2: more. If if it's from the MCU, I'm in. Yeah, I don't even need to see a trailer. They've MCU has a track record now for me where there's just automatic interest. Now, once I see the trailer, and I'm like, okay, there's reason to be hyped for sure. And even some of the images that they've talked about, you know, when they talk about who who they've cast in the movie, they're taking these things very seriously, and it's easy to get hyped about those things. So we'll see if and when. The Marvel Cinematic Universe lets us down. Could we be having a more nerdy conversation, by the way, at this point? I mean, we're 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 talking about comic book. Hey, I
3: don't get to talk about this stuff with Tony. Tony is so out of touch with this. It's like I'll I'll go watch a movie when my wife tells me to go watch a movie. So he'll watch a trailer here and there and stuff. But no, he doesn't get into the behind the scenes of who's directing, who's writing, and all that stuff. He's like, I just want to go watch a movie.
2: Oh yeah, I've got so I'll,
3: I I enjoy talking I, about this.
2: I, yeah, we should start up a separate sort of like separate from Man versus Meeple, separate from Rolling Dice Taking Names, some sort of Marvel Cinematic Universe podcast. I'm 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 in
3: or just you know, pop culture in general. There you go. Seinfeld. I don't get to talk about uh, you know, you know, any any of that stuff. Which is uh the the next thing I was gonna bring up. I know we're probably running long, but still wanna bring this up too. So are there properties that's immediately like hyped? And then properties like, eh. Like, and this is where in board games it comes into me. I typically like zombies are so overdone for me that if an amazing zombie board game comes out, I'll probably miss it. Hmm. Unless people just say you got to play it because I'm so over that. But on the other side, as overdone as Cthulhu is, I still love that universe and am able to give it a chance.
2: You know, it's funny. uh, You mentioned Cthulhu because I remember when I first got into board games was at the height of the Cthulhu craze. You know, you went to Gen Con and there were Cthulhu plushies everywhere. Everyone had a Cthulhu version of some sort of game. But it was all new to me. So I was very intrigued by that. So I'm not, I, I don't suffer from that fatigue for that. And even with that said, I don't think a theme runs its course with me as much as what I imagine the approach to a game is as it relates. For instance, uh, when there's an IP involved, I would say I generally have a negative attitude about something when there's another IP involved because. My experience with video games, with uh, movies, and with board games for the most part, when you see a movie IP attached to it, it's usually the IP comes first and the ideas behind the game come second. Or third.
3: Or movies from a board game like Battleship.
2: <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, the reverse is almost impossible. But <laughs> I'm very cynical about that. So, and I know there's some outliers there. Like everyone, every, every time I bring this up, someone says, well, what about Rebellion? And I'm like, well, Obviously, there's going to be some that do it right. And in fact, I think another recent example, and I know this doesn't land with everybody, but that Fallout game that FFG came out with last year, I actually think did a very good job of recreating the same sort of experience for people who are familiar with the video game. It was very fun to play the way they incorporated a lot of the elements. But that's typically something that turns me off. But even then, I still try to keep an open mind.
3: But I believe you made reference to me today uh, about one that didn't turn you off. Obviously, a video game based on an IP that you said is pretty sweet. Oh,
2: oh, yes. Uh, In fact, you better settle in because I could talk about this for hours. I've been, uh, unfortunately...
3: Hey, this isn't Secret Cabal, so we can't.
2: (laughs) Ooh. Is that, what, is that what they call podcast burn or something like that? Hey, Jamie doesn't listen to this show, so that's fine. Um, Spider-Man for PlayStation 4. I haven't gotten to play it as much as I'd like to. I bought the game last weekend, and then uh, it came out last Friday. And this thing is by one of Sony's, like, premiere studios, Insomniac. It's not based on a movie, so it's their own thing. It's their own story, so... It's based in the Marvel Universe, so but it's not tied to the Marvel Cinematic Universe, so they can do a lot more with it. The game is phenomenal, and it's built in such a way that it's just one of the most addictive video game experiences I've had in a long time. I've played it usually late at night for the last couple of nights till <clears throat> uh, three in the morning. Ooh. And it was, it was everything I could do to turn it off and go to bed, because it was one of those games where you're like, ah... I'll just do this one last little thing. And then you do that and you get enough experience, you level up, you get some new power, and then they lay at your feet one more thing that you could do. And you're like, okay, I'll, I'll go ahead and do that too. It is a phenomenal experience. If anyone is listening, if you're a video gamer and if you have a PlayStation 4, you absolutely have to go get that game.
3: Yeah, I'm going to have to put this on my uh, on my Christmas list because I, I really want to uh, check it out. But it's one of those things that when you heard a Spider-Man video game, went, eh, come on. Because I have... Horrible nightmares. I remember the Superman video game on the Nintendo sixty four, which is considered one of the worst video games of all time.
2: I have another quick story for you. All right. I published the strategy guide for that game back in the day. Get out of here. With with was is it Brady? Yeah, I worked at Brady Games for years and years and years, and I'm actually <laughs> responsible personally for having secured the rights to do the guide for that because I was a huge, huge animated fan for the Superman cartoon and for yep. the Batman animated series, and that game was based in the Superman animated series. Oh, my Lord, that game was bad.
3: Did you have to play through the whole thing?
2: I didn't, but yeah, our authors had to play through the whole thing. And and, and, and in many cases, we often had early builds of the game that weren't really even quite finished. So if you could imagine that game being even worse than it was in the end, it, it was when we played through it.
3: So when you have something like that in your mind, and even though I was like, Pfft, on it when like Batman Arkham Knights came out on the video game, I went, Oh, this is gonna be bad. And then I played the first one, I was like, Oh my gosh, yeah. this is incredible. And then I, what I've heard is somebody told me, It's like, Oh, imagine basically the uh, Spider Man game is somewhat like that with the combat and everything, and that uh, fluid, how fluid it is.
2: All right, so I'm in. Yeah, if you can imagine them improving Batman, the Arkham games, I really believe they have. And I'm a huge fan of the Arkham games, but this Spider Man game is probably. The best superhero game I've ever played, video game. Oh, uh, you just hyped! I'd, so
3: now you just raised hype level for people.
2: I am Spider Man's hype man.
3: If it comes to video games, like Metroid Prime Four oh. was announced last year when I was at Origins, and I I literally pooped myself <laughs> because.
2: Was that because you're getting up in age, though?
3: Yeah, well, it could be that. Luckily, I had on some Depends. <laughs> because uh, the Metroid Samus is probably one of my favorite video game characters of all time. I love I love her. I love that universe and everything. Metroid Prime was just an amazing experience for me. So when they teased Metroid Prime 4, I was like, yes! Yeah. But then when I heard Retro Studios wasn't doing it, my hype went, oh, okay, I'll still try it. But it's because somebody else different was doing it. My My level went down a little bit, but I'm going to say, you know, years ago when they announced StarCraft 2, I was like, yes. so still IPs will still get me very much excited based on what it is.
2: Yeah, yeah. Like I said, uh, there's been enough good products that's come out, both video game and board game now, that I try to keep a very open mind about even that.
3: Lord, we didn't hype this section up enough for it to be this long.
2: (laughs) We're probably like, oh, people are like excited. Oh, man, I can't wait to hear about this sectional hype. And
3: Lighthouse. now it's like, oh, my gosh, we just shut up. You're talking about disappointment. This is it right That's here. Exactly.
2: I think we have a lot of cynical listeners right now.
1: Five-minute initiative begins in three, two,
3: one. A lot of companies are now re-releasing classic Euro games, Tony. And one of the most recent ones is in the Euro classic lines from Z-Man.
0: Taj Mahal from Rhino-Kunitzia. We're talking a very stout brain burner. One that I was like, after reading the rules, I was like, oh, there's not too bad. Oh, my. I was I was wrong. I was caught off guard, it, Marty. It
3: is a little bit of a brain burner. It's one of those things when you look at it, it's a map and you're trying to put out temples and you automatically think
0: area control. Yes. But it's not really an area control no, game. No. I mean, it helps having contiguous temples on the same road because it makes sure followers get to their next temples better, but Marty, how do I win? You know me. I always want to know how uh, do I win again?
3: Gee, gee, it's it's victory points. So okay. We can just uh, skip right over that. But it's how you get those victory points that are kind of cool. Because at the beginning of every round is basically going to be a bidding process. And mainly, this is a bidding game.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: You've got a, a certain number of cards in your hand, and you're going to just play a card at the beginning of your turn, and it's going to be a certain color. Now, that color that you play you must then play that same color every round unless you have a wild card to go along with it,
0: and that is called influencing the car. The I'm sorry, influencing the court yes. where you are over there. Because if you're done playing, you then withdraw. Mm-hmm. And by withdrawing, now it's time to do figure out who's got majority of the various influences to the council that you're visiting.
3: Because each of these cards that you're playing will have a council member on mm-hmm. it, or maybe one council member, maybe two council members. And each of these council members have special effects. When you collect uh, two of those council members, there's a special card that you can get that you can use each turn. Maybe it's a special wild card. Maybe it's a card that gives you plus two. But it's this majority thing that's cool. Because I play a card maybe of one particular council member and maybe you play a card and then mark and then nate and it gets back to me and nobody's played that council member i'm probably just going to go ahead and withdraw and take majority at that point
0: for that council member which means that you then can put a taj mahal out into the province that we're visiting
3: yeah and that's good because like you said when you get taj mahal's out there that just go ahead and scores you a point
0: right so those are the council members but there's also the grand mogul or yes yes mogul where he will give you the crown Which lets you also put out Taj Mahal, but that's a special Taj Mahal because you can put it where one already exists, which help you connect your cities.
3: And then there's also the, uh, the elephant. The, the merchants of the province can actually claim this special token in this province. And you're only fighting over one province at a time, and it gives you some bonuses, and it gives you some resources. And those resources throughout the game, anytime you ever collect that same type of resource again, you'll collect victory points for every type of resource that you've already, you already claimed before. That's right. So each round, you're only fighting over one province, and the province you're fighting over is random each game. You just you because you flip over these tokens says we're going to resolve this one first all the way up to number 12 number 12 which is in the center so of there's, the there's 12 rounds but what's really cool is is this whole bidding thing so let's say on that like an example where I withdrew that leaves you g- three guys playing mm-hmm. and maybe you're tied with somebody else and you play another card to break that tie dadgummit Mark just played another card to tie it up again And it gets back to you and you're stuck. What do you do? Well, it's like, if you don't have majority on anything, you feel like I got to play another card, but you only get cards after you withdraw and you pick from two that's out on the table, unless you're the very last player and you're only going to get one.
0: That's right. So you got to be very strategic in when you play cards, when you don't play cards, and from that standpoint, you got to think through that concept because even sometimes you may say, I'm not going to visit this province at all because that's very important because you get an additional card. You get the two plus one additional.
3: Yeah, because at the beginning of return, you say, I'm not going to bid at all. I'm just out. And you get to take three cards that turn to kind of refresh, which is what I did a couple of times. This game has a really old feel to it. It's like an old style year because it could be brutal. It can
0: beat you up if you make a wrong decision. But I kind of liked it. The bidding was really cool, man. I could tell because you've gone back to this bidding thing again uh, well, and again. again. That's
3: the crux of the game. You feel like area control. No, it's just kind of this whole bidding because we got it really got it. We get so upset. Dang it. Why did you play that one? Now I don't have a majority on that anymore. Fine. I'm going to play this one. And all of a sudden you're running out of cards. Tony, I like this game. This is an old school classic game that I really enjoy.
0: Taj Mahal by Z-Mans. I think they picked a good one for a Euro classic. I enjoyed it too. I mean, there's a lot more to it because when you're doing that majority though, you've got these special bonus tiles that help your commodities. There's just a lot going on here, but I agree with you. The bidding mechanism is the key to this game and it's Probably the part of the game that everybody will enjoy if they enjoy games like this. So for me, I really enjoy playing this game as well.
1: Five minute initiative is complete.
3: When I was at Mega Moose Con a couple weeks ago, I had several people talk to me over and over. It's like, Marty, when you do the miniature market commercial, you've really got to push this feature that they have where you can place an order pay for the game but not have it shipped have you heard about this David? no do tell i'll tell you david so let's say i go in and i order a 50 dollars game i place the order it's like man it's going to cost me like six bucks to ship if i only had like 50 more dollars i could get free shipping what they do is they say fine you've paid us for that we're going to pull that game and put it on the shelf over here that one's yours but later on, if you want to, you can come back and add more to your cart and add, uh, like, do another order, like, another 50 bucks, and have them combine the two so you get your free shipping. Really? And then they'll pull the other one off the shelf, put it together, and ship it to you.
2: That, how long have they been doing that? That's brilliant.
3: They've actually been doing it for a while. And actually, they just recently had to rechange their policy because people would order and forget. And then they've got products sitting on the shelf that was never shipped. So they've changed it. They've put some stipulations in there. Still, it gives you like several months for you to fulfill it. But I had a friend of mine at Mega Moose Con say, dude, it's awesome. Like this week, I'll just order $5 dice, a $10 this, a $20 this. He said, because if you're not in a rush, then like a month from now, it's like, okay, I got enough for free shipping. Ship it all. Boom.
2: Oh, no, that's a great idea. Plus, I think there's probably, they're bound to have some people just... Get in the habit of shopping more and more there so they might just go ahead and have it shipped anyway
3: yeah and exactly because they also have their daily deals when they have stuff really cheap so it's like oh man that thing's 20 bucks but then i'm not really saving a lot because i'm spending six dollars shipping well just drop it in there and uh, pay for it and then keep adding to it and then you'll eventually you know be able to have enough to get it sent to you for free
2: that's a great idea i'm surprised more people don't do that
3: well right now i only know one of doing it and that is miniaturemarket.com
1: Five-minute initiative begins in three, two, one.
3: We referenced this game earlier, Cryptid. This is a game by Hal Duncan and Ruth Vivers, and is published by Osprey Games. And when I tried to to explain, David, what this game is, this is a a deduction logic game? Is there a better way to say it?
2: Well... There's certainly a better way to say it, but it's definitely deduction, and it's in in almost its purest form. I've never played a deduction game quite like this.
3: Well, you haven't played Detective yet. That's why
2: I hadn't. <laughs> I haven't, <laughs> uh, but I love deduction games. I think the big difference here is most of the deduction games I played haven't been co- or uh, everyone against the game. It's usually like a. A hidden movement style game where you're trying to figure out where someone's located and there's a player at the table that's that. Whereas Cryptid, one of the brilliant aspects is that everyone's getting a little bit of information about one space on the board and figuring out where that one space is. And that's that's the brilliant thing. You're trying to deduce everyone else's clue at the table so let's i mean i'm getting ahead of myself so let's talk about the game
3: yeah so the game is basically built up of of tiles and there's hex spaces on the tiles and you select a card at the beginning of the game that tells you how to set up your map and on the back based on the number of players it'll say you know this color player gets this clue book this color player gets this clue book based on our players it will tell you what clue is the clue that you're going to be uh, referencing or using during that game? Everybody gets exactly one, and on your turn, you can like ask a question. You could I, uh, say, "David, is the is it a monster we're looking for?"
2: Yes, is a it cryptid? The, cryptid. the cryptid is kind of like along the lines of Loch Ness monster or Yeti or something.
3: Is the cryptid here? And based on your clue, you'll give me the best answer that you can. So now there's like, let's say there's different territories or different hexes on the board and say, I, I point to a forest area and your clue specifically says it's like either in a mountain or swamp. And, and I point to a forest and you go, no, it is not there. Or I could have said it could be in a forest or some other area, and you go, it possibly could be there. Right. Based on those two, you 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 get to inference something. But what's neat is, if they say no, then you, as the person who asks, must put out a cube on the board to show where the de- the monster is also not at.
2: Yeah, in a different space. So over the course of the game, the board gets filled up with these no's, and the alternative is that it's a yes, And you have these no's and these yes uh, components all over the board, and you're able to start to surmise what people's clue or other players' clues might be. What's fascinating is that very first turn in the game, someone might put a cube out and say no, and everyone goes, oh, well, we just learned something. But if you look again, you probably didn't learn much at all, because while it might not be in a forest... It also could be three spaces away from a blue structure or within two spaces of a green abandoned shack. There's these different pieces that get put on the board, so it opens up the game space for, I think there's like 96 different clues, possible clues in the clue book. Okay. Uh, and the other cool thing is you don't even need to use the clue the clue books and the cards. You can actually use their website, and it randomly gives you a map. You set the map up, and then people can just tap the screen on an iPad or on a some sort of device to get their clue.
3: I will say this is one of the things I think it may take a people a few times playing is yeah. learning the different types of clues. There are basically what I call negative clues and positive clues. Like the monster is not there. It's not in this area or the monster is in one of these areas or you got to understand that the monster is like could be within two spaces of this three spaces of this and because you kind of got to understand what the clues might be so you can kind of start surmising so i do think it takes multiple plays to kind of grasp it
2: yeah the first play is a little brain melting for sure Uh, and the game actually comes with uh, an advanced mode and a basic mode i'd recommend the basic mode for a while because the advanced mode really gets into a uh, a lot more of the double negatives and whatnot.
3: What amazing to me is whoever designed this game. The fact that depending on the number of players is what clue that you get, and. All those clues will always point to one particular space. If there's three players, three clues will point to one space. If there's five players, five clues will point to one space. This is one of those games, Dave, you're talking about hype that kind of came out of nowhere. Yeah. There's nothing else really like it. This is going to stay on my shelf, dude. I really enjoyed it. I believe you've already covered this on your channel, haven't you?
2: Yeah, we've just filmed it. We're going to be posting a review very soon. And like you said, it's I'm going to be leading the hype train on this. I'm taking it to every con I can and introducing it to anyone who hasn't played it.
1: That's cryptid? From Osprey Games. Five-minute initiative is complete.
3: Wow, David! Uh, time flew. We had uh, we had like three five-minute initiatives in there. Granted, Tony did two of them. We did that. Uh, we hyped up a hype segment that may have not been worth the hype at all. <laughs>
2: I think it was. I think it was. Like I said then, and I'll say it again, I'm going to remain positive. I liked it. I think you liked it. And hopefully all the listeners liked it.
3: Speaking of games that uh, we we might like, you and I were talking earlier off air about a game that uh, was on Kickstarter that you guys covered that's uh, coming out, and that's Gearworks.
2: Yeah, in fact, uh, we covered this back when it was running on Kickstarter uh, with a prototype. And I just recently got a chance uh, at a local event Someone was playing the finished version with the nice player mat and everything that you could get for the game. Really, really interesting game that has kind of, I said this in our preview too, it kind of has a Sudoku sort of feel for me because everyone's basically, it's a steampunk sort of theme.
3: Which my wife's into.
2: Yeah, that's why really? we got a copy.
3: That's why my wife, that's why we got a copy because my wife loves steampunks. That's why oh, we got nice. it to play. nice.
2: Yes, but the the game at its heart is really an abstract game where you're playing these cards that have gears on them into a grid, but you've got to follow a couple interesting rules. The columns have uh, only certain colors, or only so many colors can go in any column. So if there's a blue gear in a column, you can't play another blue gear into that column. And then likewise, the rows are associated with the numbers on the cards. So the, the cards have numbers and arrows on them, and the rows are either gonna go in ascending order or descending order, so you can't play a card that goes, you know, goes out of place. Uh, on top of that, there's a little brain melty aspect to it where you play a card in there, and if you can create basically a basic addition or subtraction f- formula with the card you played, One card in the column that you played in and a card in the row that you played in, you're able to get a bonus and get some of these what they call sparks that allow you to do a number of different things in the game, including sort of bend the rules or break the rules. But the game is about collecting these parts and using those parts to build these sort of steampunk contraptions, which are really cool. The artwork of those, I think, if your wife loves steampunk, she'll definitely like those cards. Like you
3: said, it's kind of like this little abstract puzzle thing that you're trying to finesse But the ultimate goal is to try to get the the pieces to actually thematically build these little structures and gizmos and and devices and stuff.
2: Interestingly enough, that's based on an almost like an area control aspect, because every time you place a card, you're actually going to gain temporary control of that column and that row. And whoever has control of any row and column at the end of the round collects the part associated with that column or row, then you can use those parts to build those cards, which are basically the objectives or the the cards that you can you know, the contracts, if you will, to build.
3: Yeah, so it, it's it's like you said, it's a brain burner type game but it's one that's really not that hard to learn kind of once no. you get into it. You, under, you understand the rules, you understand, the, you know, here's what you do, can do, here's what you can't do, and I think that's important because I've heard some people like will screw up a rule really bad and kind of make it a not a very good experience. But you just get those simple rules down, then it's it's pretty straightforward. But there's a lot of there's a little bit of complexity there to make it not just a, a simple, quick little game.
2: Absolutely. Very, like any good game, it's very accessible, but it's got a layer of depth. And then, in fact, this one, the math involved, because you don't have to follow that math problem where you're doing the addition or subtraction, but if you do, you get that bonus. And every player I've ever met who played at the table... They want to make that. They want to make the most of their turn and try to do that, which which is sort of the immediate puzzle you're trying to solve, which is fun.
3: And the game plays in thirty to forty five minutes. It's from Peacekeeper Games. Like I said, it's out now. Final production. Uh, the yeah. Kickstarter's have uh, shipped, so uh, you should be uh, seeing that pretty soon. Hey, David, what you working on? on man versus meeple over there?
2: Oh, we're always working at man versus meeple. Are you really? We're trying. Are you? To just, really? we're, we're trying Are to, you? Not really. I like okay. We like to say that. No, we are actually. We just introduced recently, and I'm super. We're we're all really excited about this new program we started uh, about three weeks now ago. We launched our first episode of what we're calling Player versus Player, which is like a board game trivia showdown sh- game show. Uh, we did the first episode with our friends Gary and Ryan locally here. And then we filmed a couple more at Gen Con. There were some podcasters that were supposed to be on one of those episodes. I don't want to talk about it. They didn't show up. But we did have some people sit in for you. We actually just uh, posted another episode with Zev and John Zinzer, uh, mm-hmm. So some publishers squared off. And then the next one is going to have Robin Christina from Blue Peg Pig Peg versus your proxies, uh, Isaac Childress and uh, Ella of Uh, LL Loves Board Games. Well, I'll just tell you right now,
3: our our proxies are much better looking and a lot smarter than what we are, so I'm sure it was a much better show.
2: Well, it was a good time anyway, and the next time you guys are in town, we'll definitely want to have you on set so we can do another episode.
3: Yeah, and and what had happened, uh, we had planned on coming out there the night of of Gen Con. It was like Tuesday night, and I swanee if we didn't... I swanee, that's a southern term, David. okay. If we didn't get to the airport and it's like, oh, we got a 15-minute delay... Oh, we got a thirty-minute delay. That is now an hour delay. Oh, yeah, we're an hour and a half delay. We get on the plane. It's only going to be another twenty minutes. And so I was like texting you, and he's like, "Just forget it. I'll get somebody else to do it." And that was that was pretty much it.
2: You were very very good about keeping us informed, but we are unfortunately trying to juggle your schedule with rob and christina's and they had like a, a deadline they had to get out of there and get in checked into their hotel on the south side of india or something like that so so i won't tell you now whether your proxies won or whether rob and christina won okay but you can tune in like everyone else uh probably well as of the time this airs it'll probably be last night so it'll probably be out there for people to watch right now
3: sweet and they can find that at youtube at uh, man versus meeple Absolutely. Now, is this going to be something you're going to continue to do, or how are you going to get people to come on on board now?
2: We really hope that we can continue this. We're trying to figure out how to do it and get people in the industry, other content creators, maybe some people from publishers. I mean, we do have some people visit us from time to time, so what we've planned on doing is whenever someone visits for whatever reason, we will probably force them... (laughs) against their will, if, if necessary, to participate in one of these things. And then on top of that, uh, there are a handful of people here locally. There's some podcasters, and like I said before, there's a couple publishers and some game designers uh, in the area that we might have come, almost like regulars for the show, if it takes. The feedback's been great, but like any new show, it, has, it doesn't have exactly the... Full exposure that we want it to yet.
3: Well, you're really good at exposing yourself. So <laughs> I, I think we're going to be fine.
2: You're not posting pictures of what I'm looking like right now, are you? I'm videoing it right now, baby. Oh, boy.
3: I'm, str- I'm live streaming this thing. <laughs> So, David, thank you so much for coming on and, and being the guest in Tony's absence. This is a once-a-year thing, you know that. This is a, there's only one time a year when Tony's not on the show, and this is it. And I was so glad you were able to join me.
2: Oh well, thank you very much. I expect to be asked back every other week, right? That's the schedule. Uh, uh,
3: of course. Uh, you know what? We can use all the help we can get. Like I said, if you come on here and pronounce designers' last names, then we will we're definitely having you back on.
2: I'm out. <laughs> Actually, I do think this should be the beginning of a beautiful thing across all of content creators. We should start a content creator exchange program. Uh, This could be the kickoff, and maybe we could have you or Tony come and sit on Chit Chat, uh, maybe drag Rodney down from Canada, have him on something. I know you've had him on before, but he's... Thus far, refused to grace us with his presence on our set. Anyway,
3: well, Rodney has uh, has a, a pretty expensive rider. Uh, if you want him to uh, to come down and, and hang out with <laughs> you, it's um
2: he has people that we need to speak with. He, yeah, yeah, you, your people needs
3: to get in touch with his people, and he's got certain only certain things that he'll eat. He has to have a certain type of hair gel. Oh wow, there must be plaid involved. Uh, sometimes a mountie outfit. It's it's kind of oh he must be able to uh, every night. Uh, stay up as late as he wants, looking at his iPad with the the light turned all the way on, even though when people are trying to sleep.
2: Yeah, I got to say, after listening to your podcast the last few weeks after Gen Con, I'm pretty sure I never want to room with you guys anywhere. (laughs) Uh, Between Rodney staying up all night with his iPad and waking up to potentially Tony standing above me with a weird look on his face. Dude, that uh, was just
3: creepy. That was just (laughs) creepy. I remember i think i said it on on the show so i thought i was going to be up first uh in one morning to get a shower so i was trying to be really quiet and it was still dark because we had the blinds pulled so i thought tony was still uh he and i were sharing a bed so i thought he was still in bed so i quietly was going to go to the bathroom and i came back to get my clothes and he's sitting in the chair beside the bed and it freaked me out man (laughs) it's like what are you doing i'm just sitting here wait why aren't you asleep I don't know, just 6.30, I couldn't go to sleep. It's like, oh my gosh. Was he
2: listening to
3: music? No, or was he... he was just sitting there, man. It's creepy. It's like the Seinfeld episode. Did you ever see the Seinfeld episode where Elaine and Putty were on the plane coming back and he was just sitting there in the chair?
2: Now I am just imagining Putty in your hotel room sitting in the chair.
0: You want something to read? No, I'm good. <laughs> well, Are you going to take a nap? Or no. Are you just going to sit there staring at the back of the seat? Yeah. <laughs>
2: That's it! I can't take
0: this! No way, this is bogus, man!
2: <laughs> I'm going to imagine Tony as Patrick Warburton from now on.
3: <laughs> oh, I miss that guy. Patrick Warburton's character, Putty, was one of the best secondary characters of any TV show ever.
2: Oh yeah, the guy is, uh, He There's been some things he's done that's not the greatest, but man, most of his stuff is really, really, really good. Oh, did you ever see The Emperor's Last Groove? You know what? I never... The animated sh- movie? Yes. I never saw that one with David Spade did the lead character.
3: You have got to watch it, man. It is one of the... Fu- I, I, well, I don't know. At the time, it was funny. I don't know how well it's held up. But he has a, one of the main characters in there. He has some of the funniest lines in that movie. Oh, and he wow. has that... You know, he has that, ver- that certain voice, that diction, the way he says oh, stuff. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. it's ho- I highly recommend watching it.
2: Yeah, he's an entertaining cat. Yeah, tell me about it. No, no,
0: it's not you. She's not the easiest person to get close to. There's a wall there. Trust me. Are you talking to that squirrel? I was a junior chipmunk. and uh, I had to be versed in all the woodland creatures. Squeaky, uh, squeak, squeaker, squeaking. Oh, another
3: the reason why I like having you on is like, you and I are, are a lot closer in age than me and a lot of the other people. So I know that uh, that you probably, well, I was going to say you probably got to get to bed early, but you, actually, you said you've been staying up until 3.30 in the morning playing video games.
2: I do. I'm not sure how old I will have to be before I stop living like a teenager when it comes to my sleeping habits.
3: Unfortunately, I've had to, and that's a whole boring story on why I have to get up early in the mornings. It has to do with roads closed, and it, it's really not very, it's not as, nearly as
2: interesting as lawnmowers. <laughs> Are you sure? <laughs> Is it about the same? <laughs>
3: <laughs> it can't be any worse
2: probably i like your lawnmower conversations please keep them up
3: speaking of which david maybe you need to go out and finish more in your yard you've cleaned up your limbs
2: <laughs> yeah maybe if i can see my lawnmower at this point i i will at least retrieve it david
3: thank you once again and people can find you i believe on social medias at man versus meeple
2: yeah, it's it's either me or Jeremy. If it's something that you like, it was me. If it was something you didn't like, it was probably Jeremy.
3: And obviously you have their YouTube channel at uh, Man vs. Meeple. And Dave, I've guessed uh, you're going to be going to Essen?
2: Uh, we don't know if we're going to Essen yet, but our next thing, I'm going to Grand Con, which is a small convention or smaller convention up in Grand Rapids, Michigan, which I went to for the first time last year. We're going to be doing some stuff there. Like I said earlier, we're going to be actually able to hang out with Ignacy and a few other people. It's Ignacy? 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 I know him really well. He lets me call him Ignacy. Um, <laughs> and the fact that you call him Ignacy actually really annoys him. He he just hasn't wanted to tell you. And then uh, Pax Unplugged is probably the other definite trip that I'm going to be making. So
3: you're not doing Con?
2: I don't think I'm... I, Even though they're on different weeks this year, I don't think I can travel, then Thanksgiving, and then travel again, so... I got space in my room. Is Tony going to be sitting in a chair?
3: No, Tony won't be there, so nobody be staring at you. You promise? (laughs) I think you need to come to BGGCon, I'm just
2: saying. I might try to make it happen. We'll see. We'll see. I I can do that. If if there's space in your room, I can do it last minute. So we'll see.
3: Well, David, thanks again for coming on. And like I said, you could see David at uh, Grand Con for sure, uh, Pax Unplugged, and obviously every day on his YouTube channel. So David, take us out. Go ahead. (laughs) Anytime now.
2: You're going to have to remind me exactly what you guys say.
3: What's Oh my gosh, this is
2: embarrassing.
3: What's This is embarrassing. I have somebody on the show thinking they know how this show works. It's really freaking simple. I, I remember
2: the rolling dice and taking names. But what's the lead into that?
3: It's whatever you want it to be. That's the brilliance of how Tony does it. Tony will just slide into it. He'll just segue into it out of nowhere. And I just pick up
2: on it and close it out. See, this is why I'm on YouTube because I rely too much on my physical charm. <laughs> and not just, and not just, not just the, the the brains inside my head or lack thereof. But Marty, thank you for having me. And until the next time you have such a spectacular guest uh, on your show, yeah, keep rolling dice
3: and taking names. Nice. He did it, yeah. Thanks for listening, everyone. Please follow us on Instagram, Dice and Names. We're going to start posting more pictures and videos. Plus, subscribe to our YouTube channel, Roll Dice Tech Names, where I've started a monthly video series where I count down the top 10 selling games from Miniature Market. Tony will be back next episode, so join us
2: then. So, Marty, well, uh, again, is it Ignacy?
3: No, it's Ignacy. I- I- Ignasi.
2: Ignacy. Not Ignacy. For sure, it's not Ignacy.
3: It's Ignacy,
2: yeah. Got it. okay Igna ignasi yeah I need yeah. to learn this before I meet him Ignasi yeah Ignacy.
3: yeah you do because he gets he gets really upset so make sure you get his name right
2: yeah ignasi okay uh his last name's simple though right oh boy we're gonna
3: be here a while. You got all those new Gen Con games coming in, and you're probably gonna want a way to store them so you can be easily set them up and put them away later. You can always go check out the inserts that are at thebrokentoken.com. David, have you ever heard of thebrokentoken.com? I may have heard
2: of them. In fact, they may be uh, a sponsor of uh, Man vs. People show, one called Chit Chat. Mm-hmm.
3: I believe that's the Rolling Dice and Taken name show. But yes, yes,
2: they do sponsor Chit Chat. <laughs> <laughs> they, they indeed do. And they make some incredible inserts. Uh, and like you said at the top, uh, insert, just it makes it so easy to set up a game, which I can't tell you enough how meaningful that is to me. When you're setting up a game and it's easy to do, it just gets the game to the table that much more often.
3: You can't tell me or you won't tell me. Eh, nah, pick. They're always releasing brand new items, so go make sure to join their mailing list where you can find out when new products come out. And there's a new arrivals tab on their website, at thebrokentoken.com. And with Essence just around the corner, I know there's some designing new products right now. Did you know that, David? They're working on new stuff right now.
2: They are working on more new stuff than we work on new stuff. And we work on a lot of new stuff. If you
3: want to, make sure to go check them out at thebrokentoken.com.